Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. The Brain People don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Daniel Vinas, and I'm a psychiatrist. And joining me today is... Steve C. Now, Steve is one of my favorite people. He is actually a life coach, and he's also been uh, trained in marriage and family therapy. And uh, today's topic we're going to be talking about is very relevant in that respect, in that we're going to be talking about ways to become an awesome dad. And so thank you for joining me today, Steve. You're welcome, Dr. Bonas. It's my pleasure. Now, of course, you have the training, but uh, any other reasons why uh, you might be a good choice for this podcast today? Probably because uh, I'm a father, <laughs> even though as we discuss the topics today, I'm not perfect. It's a, a father in progress. So I think just relevant to the questions that we'll be talking about, I'm, I'm in the middle of it myself. So very much uh, experiencing uh, each of the talking points today. And, and so I think hopefully that's, uh, you know, uh, by the biggest reason is just being a father of three beautiful children. That's great. How old are your kids now? So my oldest, uh, Savannah, seven. She'll turn eight next next uh, week. Uh, then Caleb, he's three years old. And then little Levi is eight months old. Wow. Yeah, busy times. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my kids are actually similar ages. Uh, uh, one, Our oldest is eight. And then we have one that just turned six. And then we have our, our youngest that just turned two. And so you and I um, have a lot of empathy, I think, for one another. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And and uh, yeah, like you said, you know, it is a work in progress and understanding the theory behind fathering, behind parenting is one thing, but as you and I are very much learning in this process, uh, there is a real learning curve when it comes to applying that theory. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now, the one thing I want to emphasize for our listeners is that when it comes to fathering, there are so many benefits, of course, you know, for ourselves, character development, et cetera, but also for our children in a huge way. And research actually shows that uh, children of involved fathers tend to have a higher chance of being an A student. So their GPA is higher. Uh, they have higher IQs, better problems solving skills. Uh, they have higher economic and educational achievement, 80% less likely to be in jail, uh, more resilient, better physical health, more curious, less depression, less drug use, more life satisfaction, better emotional management, more playful, more socially accepted, more empathy, and tend to have higher moral values. So mm -hmm. it's like quite a list. Because sometimes I think as fathers, we think like, oh, am I making that much of a difference? I think the research is very clear. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, all those, all those points are so, 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 so rich. And, and even as we look at today, it's not about a father being perfect. It's about a father being present and, and, and being a part of their families, um, all the experiences of their family that they go through. And I think that's a big part of that, those statistics too. It's not about being that perfect father, but it's about uh, being willing to, to be a father and to be present with his family. Absolutely. Now we um, want to talk about five main uh, points 
to becoming an awesome dad today. And so, Steve, I, I want to give you a chance to jump right into it. Uh, so what's the sure. first point uh, that we can uh, tell our fathers uh, um, what, what we can do to improve our fathering skills? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things you'll see in, that we see in today is the, the issues of, of social media and the impact of uh, our phones and our pockets, uh, uh, just our different gadgets that call for our attention. And so for us as men, a lot of times that uh, get a lot of our value from our work, sometimes that comes home with us mm -hmm. and it stays with us. And so being able to have protected time for our family, being able to have time that we can dedicate to being present. And so part of that's 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 the first point I'd say is being able to really separate those two out so that we can be with our family when we're with our family. And, and of course, when we're at work, we're focused on work too. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, one thing that I've been trying to get better at myself is really putting the phone on, on the shelf when I get home. And I don't always do a great job of it, I, I have to admit. But what I try to do is either totally, you know, put it on the shelf when I'm home with the kids and it's, you know, before their bedtime and that sort of thing, or at the very least, like putting it on silent and then maybe if, I, if I'm expecting a message or something like check, checking it once in a while, but not constantly like being being like on the phone. And I have noticed it can be very tempting to just like, oh, I'll just check my email or check my messages. And I think the kids really pick up on that distractibility, mm -hmm. even though they might not say anything. I think it does affect them. They know, they know. I mean, their children are great observers <laughs> of truth, you know? And so they know when our eyes are gazed at something else other than them, when they say, look at me, daddy. And I'm like looking at my phone. So one of the good ways. I love what you said there is that's one of the things that I do is I put my phone on silent. Um, that's a good place to start. Now, of course, if, you, if it, that's hard for you, then airplane mode also can work. And it's okay to be in the same room if you can handle that. Now, if you can't, one of the things I've had to do is put it like in the bedroom or somewhere in a different room. And so I'm not aware of it. So I have it out of sight, out of mind for, for that time. Now, like what you said, if I want to come back and check an email or or, or see if I have any missed messages, I can set a time for that in the evening after maybe the kids are in bed or I've connected with my spouse, then there could still be a time. So I don't have to be as anxious to see uh, if I have anything missed, but it has its dedicated space for that. I love that. And it reminds me of an author uh, that I read. He really recommends basically schedule time for everything. And and I think there's there's a lot to that. And I'm not saying we should just be over rigid, but it's, it's important because then we have the sense of like, okay, no, this is the time I'm with my kids. And so I'm not going to allow anything to infringe on that and even creates that mental space. Cause sometimes we can be present with quote unquote present with our kids or our spouse or something like that. But in reality, our mind is kind of halfway drifting to this or, oh, I got to get this done. But if you can remind yourself, no, 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 I have time scheduled to get mm -hmm. that other thing done already. So now I can really be present. You can bring it back to really enjoying the time you have right now. Right. And, and you think about that to, to add to that too, is a lot of people don't realize the, uh, the, just a dopamine rush that comes from a text message or, or checking an email is, is it's, it's, it's higher than, than, than drugs or alcohol. Right. And yeah. people don't realize that we could, we try to willpower our way through it. I won't check my phone. I won't check it, but our body really, uh, it's, it's attuned to that. Absolutely. And so by, by being able to remove, remove that dopamine and remove that urge, that's that's one of the way one of the steps that we can take to be able to you know to be able to be present with our 
children and modeling that for them. Otherwise, what we do, they will do, right? It's that kind of like that monkey see, monkey do. Yes. And that's exactly what I w- it was going through my mind just now is this idea of like, well, if we want our kids to have good control of their time and their media use, what are we need to model? And that dopamine hit you're talking about with uh, media, you know, even though it's strong for adults, it's even more powerful for kids because their brains are still developing. And that sense of reward for media is even more compelling and can be very difficult for them to control their media use. And as, as you're saying, like if we could, like with our kids being little, depending on the age of your kids, uh, that can also be uh, hard to reverse yes. right? if we have, if we don't do that. And so that can be a hard thing to, to kind of go in reverse of removing the, the technology, you know, and, and if we're not doing it now, that can be something that's even harder. So it's just good to get started on, on that path. That's why I think that's a very, uh, important and, uh, point that you make. And it's, it's one of the, the, I think the best ways that we can father our children. Absolutely. So being present, scheduling time, that's the first point. So what would you say is the the second point to becoming uh, an awesome dad? <laughs> it goes kind of inside with that in the sense of, um, I would say connecting with my spouse, connecting with your spouse, right? So that's a big one. Harder to do with family, uh, with work uh, demands, harder to do with, as we talked about the first point with, with social media and our phones. And, and so having even protected time with our spouse, even if it's five, 10 minutes a day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Even if it's five, 10 minutes a day, I've heard, um, I started doing this with my wife as a good example of when I get home from work, I used to put our time at the end. That can work too after putting kids to bed. But what happens with most parents is we're exhausted after doing right. bedtime <laughs> is spending the first 10 minutes with, with her and then, and then playing with the kids. So they see the value of, of mom and dad uh, needing to, to, to build that bond back from, from a long day. I love the theory behind that, but I, I'm, I'm wondering how does that practically yeah. work if the kids are demanding your attention? Uh, because of course you have very young children. Um, so how does that work if you're trying to hone in on, you know, c- connecting with your spouse and maybe little Levi's screaming or, mm-hmm. or whatever, how, how does that work for you? <laughs> for us? I mean, it's not going to work perfectly. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's going to depend on if he's napping or, uh, you know, if, Savannah and Caleb are preoccupied, for instance, our two older kids. And so sometimes it's giving them time to say, you know, giving them something to do, Okay, uh, yeah. maybe an art, maybe jumping on the trampoline, doing something together where, where they're playing. Um, and then we can connect. So Levi, sometimes since he's eight months, I can hold him. So he's, you know, he can be part of the equation, but it, it's important to, to, even if it's a minute, right. Yeah. Working up to 10 minutes is good. But even if it's just a minute to connect, uh, to recognize each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be present with each other before we go into family time. Yeah, I love that idea, and I'm going to actually try it out myself. See if see how it works because you're right. Sometimes you know you you put that in, and what I've realized is sometimes the spousal connection can actually, and the marriage connection can be the kind of the last priority, even though we know it shouldn't be like, it's the last thing is for of the day. And like you said, oftentimes we're just exhausted mm-hmm. by that point. And mm-hmm. then even if we try to connect, we're like kind of falling half asleep and <laughs> it's like, what kind of connection is this? Right. Yeah. So, th- so that's really good. And there's value to that too. I mean, uh, you know, if, if that's in, like what you're saying, mm-hmm. it is, it is, it is hard. It takes practice when you're coming home from, when we're coming home from work and seeing our spouse, but you know, doing it before bed or after the kids are, you know, are in bed is, is obviously a, an, an, you know, an opportunity as well. It's just like you said, we're a little more tired and maybe less uh, apt to be as attuned to our, to our spouse. Yeah. Yeah. And of course I, I think 
the idea of being creative and maybe even at times spending a few minutes in the morning, you know, mm -hmm. and it, I know some people aren't morning people, but you know, if, if you can both make a few minutes, like you said, it doesn't always take a long time. Mm -hmm. It's more about the quality. And, and I will say, I I've realized like when I'm not on the same page with my wife, the kids, they inherently recognize that they naturally realize that and they, they can easily start to kind of split mm -hmm. us, you know, in other words, they'll try to like, almost uh, say, oh, if, if mommy says no, I'm going to go to daddy and, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So Absolutely. And that that's why for like for us, for instance, it's important for us to be able to be on the same page, uh, sometimes praying together. Yeah. Sometimes just uh, talking about what's for dinner. Yeah. Sometimes just being able to, because what's connecting that like connecting for a short amount of time is good. There should also be time plan on the calendar, you know, as best as we can to have, um, uh, whether it's grandparents or a sitter come in so we can actually mm -hmm. get away for, for even an hour or two. Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard people that have done this. We've done this too with, with people even at our church community is, is doing a, a swapping. So we'll yeah. have other people's kids <laughs> over so they can get away if they don't mm -hmm. have a grandparent or they don't have a babysitter. So sometimes even having a dedicated time built in, you know, maybe, maybe it's even once a month where I can get away for an hour or two uh, undistracted. And so there's that daily, you know, connecting for, for a few minutes, but then there's also each month trying to create time on the calendar to be able to, to, you know, be with your spouse. Absolutely. Yeah. Whether you're at home and the kids are gone or we're gone and the kids are being watched. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think those are sort some of the special times that can actually really help cement that relationship even stronger. And the kids really feel a lot more secure when parents are on the same page and when they sense that unified uh, front. And uh, so that's a very Absolutely. important thing. Mm -hmm. So what, what's the third point then? Yeah. I mean, I'd say dad. this is a big one for us as leaders, right? As men, you know, and, and I used to hear the saying leaders are readers in that same context, uh, as, as, as men, I think that spending time to recharge, spending time to be able to connect to our calling, to what we're called as men, to be leaders, to be husbands. Uh, and part of that could be in a morning routine. Uh, you know, for those that aren't morning people, there can be an evening routine or even in the middle of the day for like lunchtime, right? If, if you're not a morning person, the thing I like about the morning routine, and this is why I like it is because we're not as pulled and prodded to, by, by our children, mm -hmm. uh, by text messages, by people needing us. Right. And so that's, that's off that, that can often be the best time and we're refreshed from a good night's sleep, but that's often the time when we're not asked to do as much from other people. Yeah. So that's a great time for us to connect. Plus, spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally, when we're recharged, we're more apt to be present with our family. We're more apt to see what's really going on with our spouse and our kids. Yeah. You know, this third point to me is super important because I, I've had that sense that, you know, if I have the time and it might seem almost selfish for some people, like I got to take that time for me and that recharge time, but you know, it's just a natural law mm -hmm. that if we're not taking time to be refilled, we're not going to have anything to give, right? We're going to burn out. And so having that protected time with me and God, and also taking care, you know, part of that for me is even taking care of my own body, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's huge, you know, and, and, and we've talked about this before, the idea of kind of that morning power mm -hmm. hour. And I think that really sets the tone for the day 
at least for me, you know, and having that time to connect spiritually, to pray, to read the Bible, uh, and then to, I usually end up going on a jog and I'll usually be praying still, you know, while, while I'm jogging. And sometimes I'll even listen to something spiritual while I'm, while I'm jogging and then eating an amazing, um, healthy breakfast. I mean, that just sets the tone. And, and after that, I feel like I can face almost, you know, anything from the day, but if I don't have that, I know it's a big difference. For sure. Right. And adding to that too, it's, it's a, it's a mindfulness practice too. When you think about reading the Bible or, or praying or, or spending time to journal a thought mm-hmm. or an idea, just that little bit of time set aside. And it doesn't have to be much. It can be, you know, five, 10 minutes to start. Um, but it sets the tone because it slows us down to really be able to see what God wants us to see for the day. Absolutely. Versus waking up and rushing into the day. It helps us to really slow down and be able to see what's the highest value, what's what matters most, right? Yeah. Like that's why we put the oxygen mask on ourselves, like on a <laughs> plane. Right. Same thing as fathers. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's the first three points. So what about the the fourth point? Yeah, the fourth point I'd say is is our parenting style and how, how we show up with with raising our kids. What, what kind of uh, you know, what kind of ways do we help them grow? To nurture to become eventually, you know, adults, and, and so there's different ways that we can go through that. You know, different styles that that families have, different the different books on different approaches, when uh, they're all good. But sometimes it's also looking at what's going to be, uh, you know, most, um, you know, what's going to be something that we can for our our kind of our style, our way of our way of being with our kids, and also what's going to be most helpful for us being able to walk through parenting uh, in a gracious way, in a way that's gentle, in a way that's discipling, whilst mm-hmm. while yet being disciplinary when needed. Right. Yeah. And and this is an area that I've had some interest in, in as far as like looking at the research behind different parenting styles. And, and when, when they look at the the research on this, there's really three main parenting styles. There's the a, a authoritative parenting style, there's the permissive, and then there's the autocratic. And what's interesting is that they found that uh, when parents are permissive, what, what and that basically means enabling they're 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 like warm and nurturing but then they don't have um, healthy boundaries that actually is not very helpful for the kids like sure you know they feel loved and that's really awesome um, but then they don't learn how to have self-control in their lives because they've never really been shown those limits and those boundaries and then on the other hand the autocratic which is basically kind of like the cold controlling parent where, you know, the father's like, do it because I said so. And, you know, you better get your butt in here. And Mm -hmm. because I'm going to, you're going to get it if you don't listen to me, you know, kind of like this very, like almost militant sort of approach to parenting. It's like, okay, that might get um, some initial results of obedience and that sort of thing. But guess what happens to the kids there? They become in the end, oftentimes either their wills and spirits kind of get broken or they become really rebellious, you know, and, and it does not lead to a good mental health outcome um, either. On the other hand, mm-hmm. you know, the authoritative um, way of parenting, the research shows is clearly superior. And, and essentially there, you know, what it is, is, is it's, it's, it's a combination of a lot of warmth, a lot of love, a lot of support, but also having clear boundaries, clear um, rules, and implementing those rules in a fair, consistent manner. And so there is the discipline, there is the consistency with that, but at the same time there, there's warmth. And it's, it's, it's also, you know, as appropriate, 
um, explaining like, okay, well, these are, these are the rules and this is why we don't now that there's a caveat there. I mean, sometimes we just need them. We want them to obey right away, but then later we, we explain, you know, why we're not just like, cause I said so. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so again, I'm a work in progress, <laughs> so I'm not always doing this perfectly, but this is, I think the direction that we can strive for as parents. Well, like, and that's perfect. Like you said, like permissive parents, more of like the friend, right? Doesn't right. want to disappoint their kids and wants to give them extra, you know, like treats and things like that, just because the kid wants it. So it's almost giving the kid what they want and, and it doesn't help them grow. Right. And not giving them structure doesn't. And of course the being too, um, to what that word they use auto uh the autocratic autocratic mm-hmm. right so kids are going to end up uh, i've seen that happen in, in some of the school even the christian school i grew up with the parents were over overbearing and so the, they grow up they get out of school and they end up doing some some wild stuff mm-hmm. because they got so um they got so locked in a bubble they weren't able to go and experience life and i think the authoritative is is great because we get to, it's almost like the rubber band where as they grow and, and show their their character and their wisdom, it would get to kind of expand that band, that mm. rubber band over time as they're showing their ability to handle um, uh, life, you know, mm-hmm. the challenges that are thrown at them and being able to show how they're walking through that. And so as we're discipling them, that's the beautiful part about authoritative is by the time they, you know, like graduate high school, they've already practiced so many have tried things in the in the in the healthy context of the family's home versus when they're later adults and so they're able you're able to walk we're walking with them just as we're learning like me and yeah. you as as dads we're walking with them in that and sharing that and being real and open and vulnerable to um you know to the challenges that that we face as well as they're facing too so it gives them a chance to really think through situations uh and understand like why 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 don't we do this for instance yeah. like my three-year-old trying to run out in the middle of the street instead of, you know, I could go after him and, you know, I could, I could, I could spank, I could yell, but really it's helping to, you know, it's going to be a practice of going and helping them realize like, this is the danger of, and this is why we don't run out in the middle of the street, but I have to be patient as a father to be able to, to, to practice again and again. I think that's the hard part of it, of being a dad. It's like, is my kid going to get this? But it's that, it's that repetition Mm -hmm. of like, we're doing this because it matters. And and as our kids grow, they, they grow up, you know, a lot of times, thank goodness they do grow up and, and out of certain, uh, uh, behaviors, patterns, you know, and, 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 but it's that repetition of showing, uh, consistency right. and being on the same page with our spouse with authoritative is, is, is huge too. Because like you said, with the kids uh, at the beginning, where if I'm not on the same page with my spouse and they, they can kind of play that in the disciplinary part of it too. And and so being on the same page with my spouse, with, when it comes to authoritative is, is I think another critical piece of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really more about guiding their wills rather than breaking their wills and teaching them how to be thinkers, teaching them to reason through uh, things and make decisions, but to have that self-control at the same time. And the comforts of being observed too. Yeah. Like, you know, we were able to see them in action so we can kind of, we really see and, and, and guide them through that, um, you know, versus waiting for things to happen. So it's a very proactive approach too, as us as men, as leaders. Yeah. Absolutely. So those are the first four. What's the final point? To becoming oh, the final an awesome one is, dad? is, is I think the best part. And it's also one that I've been really reminded of lately is, is getting to know each of my kids. And I'd say the big, the biggest part of that, and I heard this wisdom some years back where uh, getting to know my kids means being into what they're into. Even if I'm not knowing what Savannah likes, 
knowing what Caleb likes. And of course, Levi's eight months, but even he's starting, you know, he smiles his face. He, you, you know what he, what he likes and different toys and things. It's getting to spend time with them. And I would say it's time can also be, you know, relative to like, we were talking about five, 10 minutes, you know, of personal time in the morning, uh, five or 10 minutes with our spouse, but also making sure we have individual time with each of the kids mm-hmm. to check in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And I think it's, it can be actually a really fun thing for everyone. Even like you said, if you're maybe not into dolls or whatever, and, but you just say, you know what, I'm going to play dolls with my daughter. Cause she likes dolls. And, and it's like, okay, I'll do it. But after a while you can kind of like, Oh, this is kind of fun. You, you, and, and you just get yourself in there and, and do it. And, and the, the most fun part about it and the most rewarding part is when you see that they really, how much it means to them, you know, cause they really love it when dad gets to their level in the best sense of the word, you know, or the term to really connect with them and, mm-hmm. and to, to show that you really care about what they care about. It's, and, and to add to that too, like you said, it's, uh, it kind of goes along with, um, validating their emotions. Mm-hmm. I used to think, oh, you know, my son's just upset or their, my daughter's just, you know, she's just uh, upset with whatever happened, but really it's, but being able to stop and, and validate that their experience is, is pretty big too, because it connects us further with them. It actually really helps with the authoritative style. That's true. Because right? they're more apt to actually follow through and, 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 and with being, um, being led, right. When, when we're addressing their emotions, when we're spending time to be into what they're into, we're not having to struggle as much in the fight of parenting of getting them to do, say, you know, make your bed or, or, or certain chores that we want, you know, that we, that we have them doing on, you know, uh, on a regular basis at home. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I think goes along with this whole idea of getting to know our kids and playing with them, there's also, you know, I've, I've noticed that kids love working with their dads too, you know, Absolutely. And, and they, that's one way they can also kind of get to know their dads too. Right. And what we're into, and they love to do that and they love to, um, model and, you know, or, or start to become more like dad. And I, and I think that some of the best times that, that I can think of, uh, with my son, for example, has been when we've been like, um, you know, he, he loves to watch me, uh, cut down trees and then we stack wood together and, and, you know, he's, he's a little scared of the saw, but he thinks it's the, which is a healthy fear, (laughs) but he thinks it's the most awesome thing at the same time to watch a big tree coming crashing down. And, and so those are, you know, some fun times or bonding moments that we can have and, uh, and, and yet we're still getting things done. So that can be a (laughs) win-win. And you think about that too, uh, you make a good point there that that's how, you know, in most of human history in the agrarian age, right. That's how we used to live before the industrial age Yeah, and the information age is, Mm -hmm. is we'd spend time, uh, the, the children would spend time with their with their parents, like the sons with their dads or daughters with their mothers. And we'd spend time really being together as we're teaching them, you know, teaching them about life and how to how to, you know, do do certain tasks. We're doing life together. Yeah. And so that's what we're talking about. It's like we're getting to know our kids by doing life together. Absolutely. And and as we're doing life together, I think it provides a lot of really great teaching moments. You know, even as we're working together, there's stuff that just comes up on on the side and uh, things that you normally maybe wouldn't talk about. But then it's like an opportunity for for teaching, which is great too. As you mentioned that, as as fathers, as men, we oftentimes do uh, you know do do well learning while we're doing something active, doing something with our hands, and that's a great way because they're. Cause kids love to play. Kids love to do things with their hands too. You ever just throw clay at them or art or anything. And, and so as men, it's a great way to play. 
Absolutely. So, so we, we both get a lot from that experience. So thank you so much, Steve. Any uh, final words for our fathers out there? Yeah, I think the biggest part is not putting too much pressure on yourself. I think, you know, even though we're called as leaders, uh, as men, you know, as fathers and husbands, it's also we're a work in progress. And so, so having more grace with yourself through the, through the mm. process, connecting with other men, being mentored, being supported, being encouraged by that's other really men that point. are in the battle too, of just, you know, doing their best. And I think that's, that's, that's one thing I would definitely mention is, is getting around other men that, that you, um, that you look up to that, that you also can con- connect with and you can share some of the, some of the wins, some of the challenges of parenting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think, like you said, sometimes we tend to be pretty hard on ourselves and, and realizing like, Hey, you know, we all have these struggles and the point is not the mistakes we make, but how we're growing, how we're learning, how God continues to accept us and love on us, even when we do make mistakes and that he, he wants to keep helping us to grow. And, you know, as we connect with other fathers to support one another, pray with one another, share, I think that can be a very powerful thing. Absolutely. So, Yeah, just as a quick recap for our listeners, uh, we want to, number one, be present, schedule that that time um, to with our children and then be present. You know, don't allow media, work, et cetera, to intrude into that time with our kids. Number two, take the time to connect with our spouses. It makes a big difference in our ability to father and our parents or our uh, kids will definitely notice if if we're on the same page with our spouse. Number three, take that time to personally recharge, uh, connecting with God, ideally, you know, in the morning for that power hour, but make that intentional time so that you don't get drained. You have to make sure you take care of yourself. It's not a selfish thing. Number four, practice authoritative parenting style. And number five, get to know your kids, have fun with them, work with them. And uh, most importantly, remember, that it is a journey becoming an ideal father. It's not an overnight experience. We're all a work in progress and we're not alone in that process. God will help us. Amen. So thank you so much for being with us today, Steve. And You're welcome. Uh, thank you to our listeners for being with us today. Um, and may you be blessed. May you be encouraged and uh, know that you're not alone in the struggle to become a better father. And if you only take one thing away from today's show, remember this, if mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Dr. Daniel Vinas. And I'm Coach Steve C. And you've been listening to The The Brain Brain People People Podcast. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 